Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest presents part two of the series, Alien Invasion. So, Alien Invasion, part two. Last week, we began this series with an astonishing opening statement to the residents of planet Earth. And my purpose was to couch a discussion of end times in uh, science fiction and science fantasy terms, to have a little fun with it, and to talk about the concept of the coming alien invasion. So let me begin by rereading that opening statement right now. Just bear with me. I'm having fun with this series. Amen? There are aliens in our midst who have mingled with the population of the earth for thousands of years. They come from a world that is billions of light years from this planet, one that is more powerful and more technologically advanced than anything we could ever imagine here on earth. They look like earthlings on the outside, but on the inside, they're very, very different from the residents of this world. After a prolonged period of waging warfare for the hearts and minds of the people of planet Earth, these aliens will be removed by their leader and will be teleported to the capital city of their home planet. After a short celebration in their capital city, these aliens will assemble the greatest army that the universe has ever seen. Headed by their fearless and powerful leader, they will be teleported back to Earth, successfully invade this planet, conquer the armies of the earth, and set up their own worldwide government, a government that will last for 1,000 years. At the end of the 1,000 years, the alien leader will put down all remaining rebellion and will begin to fundamentally transform the nature of this planet. He will transport the capital of his world through a space-time portal across the vast expanse of the universe and will make it the capital of this world forever. He will rule this planet from this capital and will radically change the environment of our world to make it perfectly suitable for his people and his way of life. Planet Earth will never, ever be the same. Residents of Earth, do not fear. I promise you, I will show you in your Bible why all of the things I have just told you will surely come to pass. Amen. Pretty cool, eh? So to recap last week, we began with the definition of an alien. We talked about country-to-country aliens, and then we talked about planet-to-planet aliens, and we discovered that in this story, the one that I've just laid out for you with this magnificent opening statement, in this story, we are, in fact, the aliens that I was referring to. Listen to the words of Jesus on this issue, John chapter 8, verse 23 in the English Standard Version. He is arguing with the Pharisees. If you want to be fascinated and get a good chuckle, read the entire chapter, chapter 8. Jesus makes mincemeat out of his religious foes. Anyway, John 8, 23. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world I am not of this world. How many know if you're not of this world, that makes you an alien? Amen? Hallelujah. So in the midst of a heated exchange with the Pharisees, Jesus makes it clear. 
that he is not of this world. He is not of this planet. He doesn't think the way they do. He doesn't talk the way they do. And he doesn't act the way they do because he's from a completely different world. Amen. So different that it's very difficult for them to communicate with him and for him to communicate with them. Amen. But here's the good news. When you accepted Jesus as your Lord, you became an alien to this world also. You became a citizen of planet heaven. Philippians 3, 20 and 21 in the voice translation. This is awesome. But we are citizens of heaven, exiles on earth, waiting eagerly for a liberator, our Lord Jesus the anointed, to come and transform these humble earthly bodies into the form of his glorious body by the same power that brings all things under his control. Amen. Hallelujah. How many ready to trade in this model for the new one? Amen. Hallelujah. It's up in the showroom of heaven right now just waiting. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When you became a Christian, you became an alien to this planet and to this world system, to this world's way of doing things. Amen. You became a citizen of New Jerusalem, the capital city of planet heaven. So we're here in exile in a sense. Physical body, amen. Hallelujah. We're going to receive supernatural, immortal, indestructible bodies, amen, that can go anywhere in the universe at the speed of thought. Just think about it. Ooh, I got chills just thinking about that. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Whoo, praise the Lord. How cool is that? Listen, there's no science fiction novel, no science fantasy novel, or any movie you can think of that comes close to the realities of the promises of God in our Bible. Amen. It is a cool, way cool future that's laid out for us. Amen. Hallelujah. So look at the person next to you and tell them you are an alien. Amen. Hallelujah. You may look like the residents of this planet, but on the inside, you are very, very different. If you're born again, an alien presence has invaded your body. You might have an earthly body, but your spirit was birthed from planet heaven. Amen. There's an alien living on the inside of you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And your unsafe friends and relatives don't have a clue what happened to you and why you're so different from the person you used to be. How many know people like that that knew you before? And now they're like, you know, they've just gone off the deep end, you know. They just don't understand, you know. When you begin to share your faith with them or they ask you a question about your faith and you answer from the Bible, from the Spirit, they look at you like you're from another planet. Do you know why? Because you are from another planet. Amen. Hallelujah. You are foreign and you are alien in the way that you think, the way that you talk, the way that you act. It's completely foreign to this world system. And so that's why they look at you that way. Amen. Get used to it because we're going to get weirder (laughs) and more powerful as the coming of the Lord draws nigh in their eyes. You know, to us, it'll be naturally supernatural, as Sid Roth says. Amen. To walk in signs wonders and miracles but to them they'll be astonished 
because it's not the way of this world. But it's the way of our world, hallelujah, our home planet, heaven, amen. Glory to God. I'm excited, and like I said, I'm having fun with this. Listen, why do your unsaved friends and relatives look at you like you're from another planet? I'll tell you why. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They are blinded. They don't see things the way we do. You know, we talked about last week how that the world system is so alien to ours. You know, in their world, it's okay to reach into the womb of a woman and tear her baby apart limb by limb. It's okay. That's just protoplasm. That's just, uh, that's just tissue. It's not a baby. To us, we're horrified when we hear about it or we see evidence of it because there's someone on the inside of us that's revolted by that. Our Heavenly Father lives in us, and that is wrong to Him. I remember in 1973, my senior biology class, we had a debate about abortion, pros and cons, and one of the overhead slides back in those days, that's all we had, was a little baby bee that had been aborted, and it was uh, small enough to fit in the palm of the doctor's hand. And I remember when I saw that, something on the inside of me just revolted. And I said, that's wrong. That's evil. And I was just barely born again, just barely spirit-filled, Really didn't know the word that much, but I knew right from wrong. Because an alien presence was living on the inside of me. And he sees things different than the people of this world system. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. I'm going to get on my soapbox here. There is no intellectual, philosophical argument for abortion. Sorry, you're wasting your breath with me. It's just, it's not defendable. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo. Hallelujah. When you share, putting this in alien terms now, okay, put your alien hat on. When you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those unsaved friends and relatives we were just talking about, and they accept it as truth, they are saying to you, take us to your leader. Amen. It is your responsibility to take them to your leader your Savior, Jesus Christ, and introduce them to Him. Amen. So they can become aliens too. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's shift gears right now and, and talk about why I refer to the New Jerusalem as the capital of planet heaven. Am I just a sci-fi nut or is there something in the Bible that backs me up? Well, let's see. Hallelujah. I'm going to show you progressively why you can believe from the Bible that New Jerusalem is a city that's on a planet. Amen. Hallelujah. And the planet, I believe, is planet heaven. Let's start with Abraham. The Bible says Abraham looked for a city. In the King James, he says he looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. Amen. I think that would qualify as a heavenly city. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 through 10 in the message. The message captures it so beautifully here. Listen to this. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going. 
By an act of faith, he lived in the country promised him, lived as a stranger. That word is also translated alien, lived as an alien, camping in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the same promise. Abraham did it. Listen to this. Abraham did it by keeping his eye on an unseen city with real eternal foundations, the city designed and built by God. That's talking about a heavenly city. Abraham knew that he was a stranger and alien in the land of promise, but he also knew that his ultimate destination was the city of God. Amen. Glory to God. He lived as an alien in the land of promise before it was possessed by his descendants. But because of Jesus, he knew his ultimate destination was the new Jerusalem, the city of God. I believe this is an Old Testament type of our living as aliens on planet Earth until we leave this place and take possession of our homes in the new Jerusalem on planet heaven. Amen. If the Lord tarries, that'll happen when we go to be with him. If we're alive at the rapture, it'll happen then. Either way, we'll eventually get our new bodies and take up residence in New Jerusalem on planet heaven. Hallelujah. John chapter 14, verse 1 through 3 in the King James Version makes it clear. Jesus is coming for us one day. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Amen. You know, I've talked to people who don't believe in the rapture because rapture is not in the Bible. Neither is Trinity, but most of us believe that, right? Rapture The word doesn't have to be in the Bible for it to be a real concept, right? Here's the foundation for the rapture. Jesus said, I'm leaving you. I'm going to my father's house. And one day I'm coming back to get you so I can take you to where I am. Amen. That's the foundation of the rapture right there. You know, it's really so simple. People try to misunderstand it. I like what Andrew Womack says. You know, it takes help sometimes to misunderstand these things. Because they're spelled out so clearly in the Bible. Hallelujah. All right, let's talk about Moses. Moses, the Bible says he patterned the earthly tabernacle. Ooh, I just, just lost my cough drop there. Good thing we're not live streaming today. A projectile at less than supersonic speed. Glory to God. Bible says that Moses patterned the tabernacle according to what he saw in the New Jerusalem. Let's read from our Bibles in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 4. And this is the last part of the verse, New Living Translation. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. So the earthly tabernacle that Moses made was patterned after the heavenly tabernacle that he saw in a vision on Mount Sinai. Amen. So evidently from Scripture, we know that there is a heavenly tabernacle and there is an earthly counterpart, an earthly tabernacle. Glory to God. All right, let's continue reading in Hebrews chapter 12. The context here is he's talking about when they visited Mount Sinai, when God visited Mount Sinai and it thundered and and the voice of God was audible for the 
all the millions of uh, Israelites to hear it, and they were frightened. He's saying, it's different this time. Because you've been born again, it's going to be a different experience when you approach God. Okay, so that's the context. Glory to God. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. So the thing I want you to see there is there is a heavenly Jerusalem and an earthly counterpart, the earthly Jerusalem. Amen. Hallelujah. And it's where the spirits of just men made perfect live. Who's that? That's all the born again people throughout all the ages. They are just men made perfect by the sacrifice of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. They are born again, spirit filled, and now they reside in heavenly Jerusalem. Amen. Everybody following my logic here? I'm building a case. Hallelujah for the heavenly city. So here we see that there is a heavenly Jerusalem, which is also called New Jerusalem, and there's an earthly counterpart, earthly Jerusalem. And one day, here's the wild part, I believe the two will be united. All right, praise God. Psalm 122, verse 3 and 6 in the King James Version. I'm going to read it to you in the King James first, and then I'm going to read it to you in the Expanded Bible, and we're going to learn something this morning. All right. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. That's true. I've been there. Naturally, it's a very compact city. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Now, at first surface reading, there's not a lot there except to say that Jerusalem is compact, okay? And we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But if you break it down in the original language and you read what some of the Hebrew scholars through the ages have said and thought about these verses. It opens up a whole new picture. Amen. Let's read it in the expanded version. Jerusalem is built as a city with the buildings close together. That is closely tied together. Pray, ask for peace in Jerusalem. May those who love her be safe, prosper. All right, first of all, I want you to know that the word for peace there is the Hebrew word shalom. And if you've been taught about shalom, it is an all-encompassing word. It takes revelation to understand the totality of shalom. But one of the meanings of shalom is to be made whole. Nothing is missing. Nothing is broken. To be made whole. So if you think about it in terms of being made whole... And you go back and you look at this verse. Jerusalem is built as a city with the buildings closely tied together. Pray, ask for the wholeness or the unity of Jerusalem. Amen. Hebrew scholars interpreted that to mean that one day the heavenly Jerusalem would be reunited with earthly Jerusalem. There is an earthly Jerusalem. And one day the heavenly would come down and be closely tied spiritually to the earthly Jerusalem, okay? Now, it is my contention that when the new Jerusalem comes, which we're going to get to here in just a minute, it's not going to come down and just land on the earth and crush because new Jerusalem, if you read it out and study it out, is 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles at the base, 
That's a lot of square miles there. So you think about that landing on top of old Jerusalem. It would cover up that city, many other countries and cities, and also a good part of the Mediterranean would be covered. And I just don't think that's God's style. It's more God's style to have the heavenly Jerusalem just hover over the old city of Jerusalem. Isn't that cool? Now, listen, that's what they believed was the interpretation of that passage. And that's what I believe is the interpretation of that passage. You can agree to disagree with me, but listen, that city's got to be put somewhere. It's coming out of heaven and it's coming to earth. It's got to be put somewhere. The logical place, in my view, is for it to hover over old Jerusalem. Amen. Glory to God. All right. I don't see any smoke in the air yet. You guys seem to be getting this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why do we know that heaven is a planet? That's another thing people ask me about. Why do you keep saying heaven's a planet? Well, I'm going to show you. John chapter 21, verse 1 and 2, and 10 through 13. I believe this is King James. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Skip on down to verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone, most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal and had a wall great and high and had 12 gates and at the gates, 12 angels and names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. So the Apostle John sees in a vision the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven and approaching the newly refurbished earth. So in context, there's a heaven left behind when the city comes to earth. The city comes out of heaven and comes to earth. So there's a planet left behind. All right, Brother Scott, you're out there. No, I'm not. Listen, when you start talking north, south, east, and west, those terms geographically make no sense except in terms of a globe or a sphere. So when you describe the sides of the city by their geographical reference to a globe, you are inferring very heavily that New Jerusalem sits on a planet that has north, south, east, and west, just like ours. Amen. Doesn't it make sense that all the natural planets would be patterned after the heavenly planet, heaven? Amen. It just makes sense, doesn't it? Because everything on the earth is patterned after what was first made in the spirit. Remember, it's the city whose maker and builder was God. He built it as a reference for how he would build the earth, even how he would build the city of Jerusalem. I think that's so cool. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, I'm going to introduce a topic here that we'll delve into more deeply next week because I'm running out of time. But I'm a space buff. Y'all know that about me. If uh, you want to find out about me as a person and about my views of space and time, uh, I would remind you my book, Reflections of Space and Time, is still on Amazon Kindle. All It's on all digital formats. Unfortunately, we're, we're mostly sold out in paperback. 
but get a copy. It came out in 2012 for a year and a half. It was in the top three best-rated science and religion books in Amazon Kindle. I'm very, very proud of that because I was an unknown author at the time. Glory to God. So take a look at that, and you can delve into some of these things a little deeper. But I want to finish by saying that not only is heaven a planet, but I got a pretty good idea where it's at, at least the general direction. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So hear me out. Psalm 48, verse 1 and 2. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Now I submit to you that this is a scripture that has a dual interpretation. One is a description of earthly Jerusalem and one is also a description of heavenly Jerusalem. If you study it out, old Jerusalem, the earthly city of Jerusalem, sits on a ridgeline that goes from south to north, and the, the Temple Mount is on the highest point on that northward slope. So literally, earthly Jerusalem sits on the sides of the north. The word sides there in the Hebrew means the highest part, the highest ele elevation. So the highest elevation of that ridgeline is where the Temple Mount is placed. Amen. I believe that heavenly Jerusalem is in the farthest reaches or the highest parts of the north. If you follow our north axis straight out for my calculations are about 14 billion light years, you'll come to planet heaven. Now, my only question is this. Is it a natural planet with a supernatural city on it or is it a supernatural planet? with a supernatural city on it. I haven't answered that question yet. But that's my best guess at where heaven is. Now, there's no rocket fuel or technology known to man that could get us there in less than 14 billion years. So forget that. If you're going to go, you're going to have to go by the aid of the Spirit. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because you just can't get there from here. You know, a light year is not a unit of uh, time. It's a unit of distance. A light year is the distance that light travels in a year, roughly 6 trillion miles at 186,000 miles a second. So if you were on the edge of a light beam and you were traveling 186,000 miles a second, which is not possible for you as a human being, but if it were possible, it would still take you 14 billion years to go 14 billion light years, okay? So we're going to have to have some warp engines or something <laughs> power our craft to get us there. Captain, we just don't have the right kind of power, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. So here's my additional evidence why I believe it's a description of natural Jerusalem but also heavenly Jerusalem. Over there in Isaiah 14, I apologize I don't have this on the slides, but Lucifer said, I will be like the most high. I will exalt my throne above the stars, above the sides of the north. In other words, he was wanting to exalt his throne above the throne of God. And how many know the throne of God is in heavenly Jerusalem? Amen. So this is talking about both the earthly and the heavenly Jerusalem, which is our future home with mansions and I can't wait to see mine. My wife and I argue about, you know, 
her mansion's going to be prettier than mine. Well, I want a stucco house with orange roof tiles. She's like, no way. <laughs> I got to have uh, one of those craftsman houses, you know. She wants that. So in heaven, there'll be two mansions, a craftsman house right here, and there'll be my, my southwest stucco orange roof tile hacienda. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, for you visitors, I know you've been weirded out, but <laughs> there's, no, there's no backing out now. I, I, I am who I am. Hallelujah. So <laughs> we'll wrap it up there and pick it up next week with a basic chronology of end times. Uh, now, remember, we're inching closer and closer to the alien invasion that I promised you. Amen. <laughs> but we got to lay a foundation of knowledge before we can go there. For now, just remember the two things we've learned so far in this series. You are an alien, and Jesus is your leader, and you come from planet heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed part two of today's message titled, Alien Invasion. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at GoFaithLife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.